0: Section 17 of Sermons on Several Occasions, First Series. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kim Moses. Sermon on Several Occasions, First Series by John Wesley. The Circumcision of the Heart. Circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter. Romans 2.29 It is the melancholy remark of an excellent man that he who now preaches the most essential duties of Christianity runs the hazard of being esteemed, by a great part of his hearers, a setter forth of new doctrines. Most men have so lived away the substance of that religion, the profession whereof they still retain, that no sooner are any of those truths proposed which difference the spirit of Christ from the spirit of the world, than they cry out, thou bringest strange things to our ears we would know what th- these things mean though he is only preaching to them jesus and the resurrection with the necessary consequence of it if christ be risen ye ought then to die unto the world and to live wholly unto god a hard saying this is to the natural man who is alive unto the world and dead unto god and one that he will not readily be persuaded to receive is the truth of god unless it be so qualified in the interpretation as to have neither use nor significance left he receiveth not the word of the spirit of god taken in their plain and obvious meaning their foolishness unto him neither indeed can he know them because they are spiritually discerned they are perceivable only by that spiritual sense which in him was never yet awakened for want of which he must reject as idle fancies of men what are both the wisdom and the power of god that circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter that the distinguishing mark of a true follower of christ of one who is in a state of acceptance with god is not either outward circumcision or baptism or any other outward form but a right state of soul a mind and spirit renewed after the image of him that created it is one of those important truths They can only be spiritually discerned. And this the apostle himself imitates in the next words, whose praise is not of men, but of God, as if he had said, Expect not, whoever thou art, who thus followest thy great master, that the world, the one who follow him not, will say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Know that the circumcision of the heart, the seal of thy calling, is foolishness to the world." be content to wait for thy applause till the day of thy Lord's appearing. In that day shalt thou have praise of God in the great assembly of men and angels. I design first particularly to inquire wherein this circumcision of the heart consists, and secondly to mention some reflections that naturally arise from such an inquiry. I am first to inquire wherein that circumcision of the heart consists. Which will receive the praise of God. In general, we may observe, it is that habitual disposition of soul which, in the sacred writings, is termed holiness, and which directly implies the being cleansed from sin, from all filthiness both of flesh and spirit, and by consequence the being endowed with those virtues which were also in Christ Jesus, the being so renewed in the spirit of our mind as to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect to be more particular circumcision of heart implies humility faith hope and charity humility a right judgment of ourselves cleanses our minds from those high conceits of our own perfection from that undue opinion of our own abilities and attainments which are the genuine fruit of a corrupt nature this entirely cuts off that vain thought i am rich and wise and have need of nothing and convinces us that we are by nature wretched and poor and miserable and blind and naked. It convinces us that in our best estate we are of ourselves all sin and vanity, that confusion and ignorance and error reign over our understanding, that unreasonable, earthly, sensual, devilish passions usurp authority over our will, in a word that there is no whole part in our soul that all the foundations of our nature are out of course. At the same time we are convinced that we are not sufficient of ourselves to help ourselves, that without the Spirit of God we can do nothing but add sin to sin, that is, He alone who worketh in us by His almighty power, either to will or to do that which is good, it being as impossible for us even to think a good thought, without the supernatural assistance of his holy spirit as to create ourselves or to renew our whole souls in righteousness and true holiness a sure effect of our having formed this right judgment of the sinfulness and helplessness of our nature is a disregard of that honour which cometh of men which is usually paid to some supposed excellency in us he who knows himself neither desires nor values the applause which he knows he deserves not. It is, therefore, a very small thing with him to be judged by man's judgment. He has all reason to think, by comparing what it has said, either for or against him, with what he feels in his own breast, that the world, as well as the God of this world, was a liar from the beginning. And even as to those who are not of the world, thought he would choose, if it were the will of God, that they should account of him as of one desirous to be found a faithful steward of his lord's goods if haply this might be a means of enabling him to be of more use to his fellow-servants yet as this is the one end of his wishing for that approbation so he does not at all rest upon it for he is assured that whatever god wills he can never want instruments to perform such he is able even of those stones to raise up servants to do his pleasure this is the lowliness of mind which they have learned of christ who follow his example and tread in his steps and this knowledge of their disease whereby they are more and more cleansed from one part of it pride and vanity disposes them to embrace with a willing mind the second thing implied in circumcision of the heart that faith which alone is able to make them whole which is the one medicine given under heaven to heal their sickness the best guide of the blind the surest light of them that are in darkness the most perfect instructor of the foolish is faith but it must be such a faith as is mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds to the overturning all the prejudices of corrupt reason all the false maxims revered among men all evil customs and habits all that wisdom of the world which is foolishness with god as casteth down imaginations reasoning and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of god and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of christ all things are possible to him thus believeth the eyes of his understanding being enlightened he sees what is his calling even to glorify god who hath bought him with so high a price in his body and in his spirit which now are gods by redemption as well as by creation He feels what is the exceeding greatness of this power, who, as he rise up Christ from the dead, so is able to quicken us dead in sin, by his Spirit which dwelleth in us. This is the victory which overcomes the world, even our faith. That faith, which is not only an unshaken assent to all that God hath revealed in Scripture, and in particular to those important truths, Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners he bare our sins in his own body on the tree he is the perpetuation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the sins of the whole world but likewise the revelation of christ in our hearts a divine evidence of conviction of his love his free unmerited love to me a sinner a sure confidence in his pardoning mercy wrought in us by the holy ghost a confidence whereby every true believer is enabled to bear witness. I know that my Redeemer liveth, that I have an advocate with the Father, and that Jesus Christ the righteous is my Lord and the propitiation for my sins. I know that he hath loved me and given himself for me. He hath reconciled me, even me, to God, and I have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Such a faith as this cannot fail to show evidently the power of him that inspires it, by delivering his children from the yoke of sin, and purging their consciousness from dead works, by strengthening them so, that they are no longer constrained to obey sin and the desire thereof, but instead of yielding their members unto it, as the instruments of unrighteousness, they now yield themselves entirely unto God, as those that are alive from the dead those who are thus by faith born of god have also strong consolation through hope this is the next thing which the circumcision of the heart implies even the testimony of their own spirit with the spirit which witnesses in their hearts that they are children of god indeed it is the same spirit who works in them that clear and cheerful confidence that their heart is upright toward god that good assurance that they now do, through his grace, the things which are acceptable in his sight, that they are now in the path which leadeth to life, and shall, by the mercy of God, endure therein to the end. It is he who giveth them a lively expectation of receiving all good things at God's hands, a joyous prospect of that crown of glory, which is reserved in heaven for them. By this anchor a Christian is kept steady in the midst of the waves of this troublesome world, and preserved from striking upon either of those fatal rocks, presumption or despair. He is neither discouraged by the misconceived severity of his lord, nor does he despise the riches of his goodness. He neither apprehends the difficulties of the race set before him to be greater than he has strength to conquer, nor expects there to be so little as to yield in the conquest, till he has put forth all effort, the experience he already has in the Christian warfare, as it assures him his labor is not in vain. If whatever his findeth to do, he doeth it with all his might. So it forbids his entertaining so vain a thought, as that he can otherwise gain any advantage, as that any virtue can be shown, any praise attained by faint hearts and feeble hands, or indeed by any but those who pursue the same course with the great apostle of the Gentiles. I says he, so run, not as uncertainly, so fight i not as one that beateth the air but i keep under my body and bring it into subjection lest by any means when i have preached to others i myself should be cast away by the same discipline is every good soldier of christ to inure himself to endure hardship confirmed and strengthened by this he will be able not only to renounce the works of darkness but every appetite too and every affection which is no subject to the law of god For every one, saith St. John, who hath this hope, purifieth himself even as he is pure. It is his daily care, by the grace of God in Christ, and through the blood of the covenant, to purge the inmost recesses of his soul from the lust that before possessed and defiled it, from uncleanness and envy and malice and wrath, from every passion and temper that is after the flesh, that either springs from or cherishes his native corruption, as well-knowing, that he whose very body is the temple of god ought to admit into it nothing common or unclean and that holiness becometh that house for ever where the spirit of holiness vouchsafes to dwell yet lackest thou one thing whosoever thou art that to a deep humility and a steadfast faith has joined a lively hope and thereby in a good measure cleansed thy heart from its inbred pollution if thou wilt be perfect add to all these charity add love, and thou hast the circumcision of the heart. Love is the fulfilling of the law, the end of the commandment. Very excellent things are spoken of love. It is the essence, the spirit, the life of all virtue. It is not only the first and great command, but it is all the commandments in one. Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are amiable or honorable, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, they are all comprised in this one word, love. In this is perfection and glory and happiness. The royal law of heaven and earth is this, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. Not that this forbids us to love anything besides God, it implies that we love our brothers also. Nor yet does it forbid us as some have strangely imagined, to take pleasure in anything but God. To suppose this is to suppose the fountain of holiness is directly the author of sin, since he has inseparably annexed pleasure to the use of those creatures which are necessary to sustain the life he has given us. This, therefore, can never be the meaning of his command. What the real sense of it is, both our blessed Lord and his apostles tell us too frequently, and too plainly to be misunderstood. They all with one mouth bear witness that the true meaning of those several declarations, the Lord thy God is one, thou shalt have no other gods but me, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy strength, thou shalt cleave unto him, the desire of thy soul shall be to his name, is no other than this, the one perfect God shall be your one ultimate end, one thing shall you desire for its own sake, the fruition of Him that is all in all. One happiness shall ye propose of your souls, even a union with Him that made them, the having fellowship with the Father and the Son, the being joined to the Lord in one spirit, one design you are to pursue to the end of time, the enjoyment of God in time and in eternity. Desire other things, so far as they tend to this love. Love the creature as it leads to the Creator. But in every step you take, be this the glorious point that determines your view. Let every affection and thought and word and work be subordinate to this, whatever ye desire or fear, whatever you seek or shun, whatever you think, speak, or do, be it in the order of your happiness in God, the sole end, us well as source of your being. Have no end to ultimate end but God, thus our Lord, one thing is needful. And if thine eye be singly fixed on this one thing, thy whole body shall be full of light. Thus, St. Paul, this one thing I do, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. Thus, St. James, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Thus, St. John, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, is not of the Father but is of the world. The seeking happiness in what gratifies either desire of the flesh, by agreeably striking upon the outward sense, the desire of the eye, of the imagination, by its novelty, greatness, or beauty, or the pride of life, whether by pomp, grandeur, power, or the usual consequence of them, applause and admiration, is not of the Father. Cometh not from, neither is approved by the Father of spirits, but of the world. It is the distinguishing mark of those who will not have him to reign over them thus have i particularly inquired what that circumcision of heart is which will obtain the praise of god i am in the second place to mention some reflections that naturally arise from such an inquiry as a plain rule whereby every man may judge of himself whether he be of the world or of god and first it is clear from what has been said that no man has a title to praise of god unless his heart is circumcised by humility unless he is little and base and vile in his own eyes unless he is deeply convinced of that inbred corruption of his nature whereby he is very far gone from original righteousness being prone to all evil averse to all good corrupt and abominable having a carnal mind which is enmity against god and is not subject to the law of god nor indeed can be unless he continually feels in his inmost soul that without the Spirit of God resting upon him, he can neither think nor desire nor speak nor act anything good or well-pleasing in his sight. No man, I say, has a title to the praise of God till he feels his want of God, nor indeed till he seeketh that honour which cometh of God only, and neither desires nor pursues that which cometh of man, unless so far only as it tends to this another truth which naturally follows from what has been said is that none shall obtain the honour that cometh of god unless his heart be circumcised by faith even a faith of the operation of god unless refusing to be any longer led by his senses appetites or passions or even by that blind leader of the blind so idolised by the world natural reason he lives and walks by faith directs every step as seeking him that is invisible looks not at the things that are seen which are temporal but at the things that are not seen which are eternal and governs all his desires designs and thoughts all his actions and conversations as one who has entered in within the veil where jesus sits at the right hand of god it were to be wished that they were better acquainted with this faith who employ much of their time and pains in laying another foundation in grounding religion on the eternal fitness of things in the intrinsic excellence of virtue and the beauty of actions flowing from it, on the reasons, as they term them, of good and evil, and the relations of being to each other. Either these accounts of the grounds of Christian duty coincide with the scriptural or not. If they do, why are well-meaning men perplexed and drawn from the weightier matters of the law by a cloud of terms whereby the easiest truths are explained into obscurity? If they are not, then it behooves them to consider who is the author of this new doctrine, Whether he is likely to be an angel from heaven who preaches another gospel than that of Christ Jesus, though he were God, not we, hath been pronounced his sentence, let him be accursed. Our gospel, as it knows no other foundation of good works than faith, or of faith than Christ, so it clearly informs us we are not his disciples, while we either deny him, or to be author, or his spirit, or to be inspirer and perfecter, both of our faith and works if any man hath not the spirit of christ he is none of his he alone can quicken those who are dead unto god can breathe into them the breath of christian life and so prevent accompany and follow them with his grace as to bring their good desires to good effect and as many as are thus led by the spirit of god they are the sons of god this is god's short and plain account of true religion and virtue and other foundations can no man lay From what has been said, we may thirdly learn that it is none truly, led by the Spirit, unless that Spirit bear witness with his Spirit that he is a child of God, unless he see the prize and the crown before him, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So greatly have they erred who have taught that, in serving God, we ought not to have a view of our own happiness. Nay, but we are often and expressly taught of God to have respect unto recompense of reward, to balance toil with the joy set before us, these light afflictions with that exceeding weight of glory. Yea, we are aliens to the covenant of promise. We are without God in the world until God of his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a living hope of the inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away. But if these things are so, It is high time for those persons to deal faithfully with their own souls, who are so far from finding in themselves this joyful assurance, that they fulfill the terms, and shall obtain the promise of that covenant, as to quarrel with the covenant itself, and blaspheme the terms of it, to complain, they are too severe, and that no man ever did or shall live up to them. What is this but to reproach God, as if he were a hard master? requiring of his servants more than he enables them to perform, as if he had mocked the helpless works of his hands by binding them to impossibilities, by commanding them to overcome, where neither their own strength nor grace was sufficient for themselves. These blasphemers might almost persuade those to imagine themselves guiltless, who in the contrary extreme hope to fulfill the commands of God, without taking any pains at all, vain hope, that a child of Adam should ever expect to see the kingdom of Christ and God without striving, without agonizing first, to enter in at the straight gate, that one who, as conceived and born in sin, and whose inward parts are very wickedness, should once entertain a thought of being purified as his Lord is pure, unless he treads in his steps and take up his cross daily, unless he cut off his right hand and pluck out the right eye and cast it from him, that he should ever dream of shaking off his old opinions passions tempers of being sanctified throughout in spirit soul and body without a constant and continued course of general self-denial what less than this can we possibly infer from the above cited words of saint paul who living ill infirmities and reproaches in necessities and persecutions in distress for christ's sake who being full of signs and wonders and mighty deeds who having been caught up into the third heaven, yet reckoned, as a late author strongly expresses it, that all his virtues would be insecure, and even his salvation in danger, without this constant self-denial. So run I, says he, not as uncertainly. So fight I not as one that beateth the air which he plainly teaches us, that he who does not thus run, who does not thus deny himself daily, does run uncertainly and fighteth to as little purpose as he that beateth the air. To as little purpose does he talk of fighting the fight of faith, as vainly hope to attain the crown of incorruption, as we may lastly infer from the preceding observations, whose heart is not circumcised by love. Love, cutting off both the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, engaging the whole man, body, soul, and spirit, in the ardent pursuit of that one object, is so essential to a child of god that without it whosoever liveth is counted dead before him though i speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love i am a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal though i have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and though i have all faith so as to remove mountains and have not love i am nothing nay Though I give my goods to feed the poor, and my body to be burned, and have not love, it profit me nothing. Here then is the sum of the perfect law. This is the true circumcision of the heart. Let the Spirit return to God that gave it, with the whole train of its affections, unto the place from whence all the rivers came thither. Let them flow again. Other sacrifices from us he would not, but the living sacrifice of the heart he hath chosen. Let it be continual offered up to God through Christ in flames of holy love, and let no creature be suffered to share with him, for he is a jealous God. His throne will he not divide with another. He will reign without a rival. Be no design, no desire admitted there, but what has him for its ultimate object. This is the way wherein those children of God once walked, who being dead still speak to us. Desire not to live, but to praise his name. Let all your thoughts, words, and works tend to his glory. Set your heart firm on him and on other things only as they are in and from him. Let your soul be filled with so entire a love of him that you may love nothing but for his sake. Have a pure intention of heart, a steadfast regard to his glory in all your actions. Fix your eyes upon the blessed hope of your calling, and make all the things of the world minister unto it. For then and not till then is that mind in us which also in Christ Jesus when in every motion of our heart in every word of our tongue in every work of our hands we pursue nothing but in relation to him and in subordination to his pleasure when we too neither think nor speak nor act to fulfil our own will but the will of him that sent us when whether we eat or drink or whatever we do we do all to the glory of god End of Section 17 Recording by Kim Moses Salisbury, Maryland